right, so who's gonna win, DeSantis or Trump? Uh, correct answer, no one knows. But we're gonna try to figure it out. We're bringing on former Republican Congressman Joe Walsh uh, to talk about it. He's also the host of the White Flag with Joe Walsh podcast. Uh, Joe, welcome back. Shane, always good to be with you, my friend. All right, uh, so Joe, first, let me dispense with this. Uh, does anyone name, not name Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump have a chance to win the Republican primary in 24? No, 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 no. If, if it's not gonna be Trump, Jank, it's gonna be the Trumpiest person around. And right now, the only Trumpy person that registers with Republican voters besides Trump is DeSantis. Nobody else is even measuring in the polls. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's all, a lot of it early on is name recognition. Although um, it's a little bit complicated with with Trump because he has also has tons of negative uh, baggage with him, but not among Republicans, which is going to be the main part of the conversation. But you're right. Every time I see cable news anchors talking about Liz Cheney, I laugh and laugh and laugh. They because in their cocktail circuit, Liz Cheney has a 97 percent approval rating, but in a Republican primary, it's going to be less than zero. Um, so now. Bringing it down between DeSantis and Trump. Let, help us figure this out because you got uh, good polls like Emerson, et cetera, not like fly by night polls saying, no, Trump still has a 26 point lead na nationwide among Republican primary voters. And there's a good number of polls with Trump still leading 20, 25, 30 points, right? And then you look at polls like New Hampshire, also a legitimate polling organization, and DeSantis is a 12 point lead in, in New Hampshire. Now, part of that is explained by the fact that it's New Hampshire and they pay more attention because they're one of the first primaries, they're the first primary. Uh, but, but there's still a bit of a mystery out there. So, what do you make of those uh, seemingly conflicting polls? Well, first, just to comment on what you said a moment ago yes, there is zero room in the Republican Party for never Trumpers like Liz Cheney, Adam Kinzinger, or myself. But people, Cenk, like, like Nikki Haley, Mike Pence, Mike Pompeo, these people have no prayer, none. It's gotta be, look, look and, and you and I have said this before, maybe Trump is fading, though I don't think he is, but Trumpism is not fading. This is now firmly, my former party is now firmly the party of Trumpism. That means it's the party of cruelty, fear, authoritarianism, and sidling up to white supremacy. That's what this party is now. And DeSantis speaks to that better than anybody but Trump or Tucker Carlson. Hey, um, hey, I, hey look, Joe, I, Joe go ahead, actually yeah. before you go to the disparity on the polls, I want to say on that for one more second. Um, I always wonder with the Mike Pompeo's in, uh, of the world, does he think he can win? Because it, it, because people, you know, they, they live in their own bubbles, and and you know, probably a lot of people are telling him, "Oh yeah, Mike, you got this dog, right?" Or is he running to be Secretary of State again, VP? What's the play here? I think it's a little bit of both. I think people like Pompeo, Haley, Cruz, pretty much everybody but DeSantis is assuming Trump won't stay in. And Cenk, they all know, like I believe, that DeSantis, once people see him on the stage, on the national stage, I don't think he's gonna come across very well. And Pompeo believes that, Cruz believes that, Rubio believes that. They know DeSantis, they know he's weird with people. He's thin skinned, he's not good on his feet. So their play is, their only play is, Trump's out of the picture and they think they can beat DeSantis. 
So what, what's the thesis for Trump being out of the picture? Because this whole idea of he'll be embarrassed so he won't run, that's already gone. He's already running and he does he's incapable of being embarrassed. So do they think getting indicted would get him out of the picture? But wait, wouldn't that make him more popular among Republicans? Hell yes, Cenk, I, I, so funny that you ask me that. I had a former supporter of mine who's a, a, a pretty good Trump supporter still. He called me today, I picked up and, and we started the talk and I asked him, I said, I think Trump's gonna be indicted. I said, Steve, if Trump's indicted, will you still support him? He said what you just said. Uh, after a couple expletives, he said the deep state will never let go of Trump. If, if Trump is indicted, I will work even harder to get him reelected. I think an indicted Donald Trump is stronger within the Republican Party. But Cenk, look, they're all cowards and, and I include DeSantis here. They're all cowards for what, seven, eight years, they've all been praying that somebody or something else will take Trump out. The January 6th committee impeachment because these guys have never had the courage to take Trump on and take him out themselves. Okay, so that leads me to conclude that you're gonna tell me the numbers that show Trump winning are more accurate. Um, so the, Trump's yeah. Achilles heel though is electability. Now Republicans are, some Republicans are concerned. I love this guy, I love how vicious he is, uh, but, but shoot, he might not win. Uh, is that a real threat to Trump? Yeah, and understand, and everybody, Cenk, listening to us right now needs to understand that every Republican who supports DeSantis is a Trump supporter. They all say the same thing. I love Trump Joe, I want Trump Joe, but maybe DeSantis can win. But they're all Trump supporters. So if DeSantis does run, and by the way, Cenk, I'm not even convinced he's gonna run. But if he does run and he does fade, these are all Trump voters. So that, that is definitely there. That's the best thing DeSantis has going for him. But no, look, this is, this is still Trump's thing. This is still his nomination. And all these talking heads on MSNBC and CNN and all the rest, uh, writing his political obituary, I think they're crazy. Yeah, so, um, but DeSantis does have that lead in New Hampshire and people in New Hampshire do pay more attention. And so I wonder if it hurts Trump if he loses a couple of early primaries, if that compounds the electability issue and, and Republicans really start to get nervous about Trump being able to win. But, it, but what doesn't help Joe is that a poll out last week had Trump beating Biden by four points. So if the Democrats are running Biden and he's so weak that he's losing to Trump, by running Biden, aren't the Democrats helping Trump win the Republican primary? Yeah, by running Biden again, Cenk, they're, they're erasing Trump's electability problem. I mean, just look at this classified docs issue. Uh, that, that had Trump by the rights, right? I mean, look what he did. And even though there are differences in what Trump did and Biden did, doesn't matter. Those differences do not matter. Uh, now the classified documents, that whole issue with Pence too and Biden has strengthened Trump because now everybody does it. Yes, Donald Trump, I, I believe, and I'm hearing it from a lot of his supporters, uh, Trump believes he can beat Biden, and a lot of his supporters increasingly believe he can beat Biden as well. 
So Joe, I, I never thought about this until just because, until this conversation. Sixty-six mm. percent uh, of Republicans still believe that uh, that Joe Biden stole the election, uh, that he didn't actually win. Um, so if two-thirds of Republican voters believe that Trump won last time, doesn't that also help get rid of his electability <laughs> problem? Because they think, what do you mean? He's won two elections. He's the most electable guy in the world. Well, they it, it does and they do, and that two-thirds is low. Jank, I think it's closer to like 80% deep down really believe it. Many Republicans are afraid to publicly say it, but they say it to me privately. Yes, but then again, that also goes to, because what I hear a lot from Republican Trump supporters is, Joe, the 2020 election was stolen, but man, if that's all we talk about, it's gonna be harder to win in 2024. So that, that works both for and against Trump. There's, and by the way, Jenk, if you've noticed Trump last weekend, he's trying his best to focus on the future, to look ahead. I think generally he's gonna be pretty good about that in public. Is there a single Republican tough enough to be Trump? No, 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 and this is what just so freaking pisses me off. DeSantis isn't tough, none of them are. None of them are, and and Jenk, here's the catch 22 these cowards have all put themselves in. They all enabled him, they all created this monster, but now none of them can take the monster on because they know the monster has a great reservoir of support in the party. So again, they're all hoping and praying something else will take him out, none of them can go toe to toe with him on a stage, none of them. Is there a single policy difference between DeSantis and Trump? It's always hard with Trump because I don't even know really what Trump is when it comes to policy. But no, generally it's the same, it's the same white nationalism, screw the rest of the world, let's win all these culture wars and let's be a big bully. Generally they both stand for the same thing. Is there a single policy difference between a single candidate running for office or potentially <laughs> running for president on the Republican side other than the never Trumpers like Liz Cheney? Yes, yes, yes. You will find if, if Pompeo runs, if Nikki Haley runs, you will find there will be Republicans like that who will say, as Pompeo said last week, we gotta give Ukraine whatever they want and we have to win this war. This war ends when Ukraine wins it. That goes against Trump's non-interventionist leave Ukraine alone kind of a tendency that's there in the in the Republican Party. So I think you'd see a fight on that whole Ukraine Russia issue. Hmm. So we're back to a fight over Putin. Okay, a fight over Putin. Yeah, yeah. great. That's the but one policy difference in the Republican Party. Jake, nothing domestically. There's zero policy difference domestically. That's amazing. Okay. Uh, here's what I get out of this conversation. Summarize, Joe. Um, the only thing they have against Trump is electability. If Trump knocks that out by whether it's through polling or looking forward, etc., even the momentum DeSantis has will be reversed and Trump will win easily. Does that sound about Deep right? That's spot on, Jank. Deep down, they all believe and they all say he's a loser, Trump is, and he can never win again. They don't have the balls to say that publicly. Uh, so, it, and, and none of them will say he's unfit. They'll just kind of hint at he can't maybe win again. But that's it. They're, that's their only objection. All right.
Joe Walsh, keeping it real. Okay, that's why I love these conversations. Make sure you check out White Flag with Joe Walsh. That's his podcast. I was on one of the episodes. You got to find that. Listen to that, isn't it? That was a good. That was a good conversation. It was. It was a great one. All right, Joe. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thank you, brother. Keep it up. You too. All right. Let's talk to the most open and transparent congressman in America, Ro Khanna, California 17th District. Uh, the original Justice Democrat uh, joins us. How are you, Congressman? Good, Jenk. I, I, I'm wondering if I'm getting set up with that kind of an introduction, <laughs> but uh, I'll take it. <laughs> no, no, you're not. No, I mean it. Um, so, uh, look, I brought you on because I want to talk about what progressives are going to do in the next two years because it is an interesting and challenging question. But since uh, the interview got booked, things have happened in California. Uh, Katie Porter has entered the California Senate uh, race, and then uh, Adam shifted as well. And now there is a lot of buzz about Barbara Lee and yourself. So, uh, will you be entering the California Senate race? What I've said is I'm going to take a very uh, careful look at it, but also what Barbara does. Barbara Lee is a close friend of mine. Uh, I have admired her for a long time, especially on her anti war advocacy. We've had a number of good conversations. We're both from Northern California. We're both uh, progressive, uh, and it would be a shame uh, to be splitting that vote. So I'm waiting to see whether she's going to put together a very serious campaign and uh, factoring that into my decision. Interesting. Okay. Um, and so if she doesn't run, does that mean green light? If she doesn't run, I would say that the probability of running is much, much higher. Uh, and if she does run, it's lower. But obviously, that's not the only factor, but it is something that uh, I will weigh uh, seriously. All right, makes sense. Um, so, one more thing about that. Uh, so, Politico and a couple of other places had written about uh, you're weighing a Senate run, or some advisors and other people you're connected to, but not you, uh, talk about a presidential run. So, uh, let me ask you about that. Is there any possibility in 24, whether Biden runs or doesn't run, that you might run? No, uh, I would support Bernie Sanders if uh, he didn't. Uh, and I'm uh, still building and not, it's 24 is not, not the time. Okay, I'm hearing 28. Okay, got it. Um, <laughs> okay, now let's go to the issue of the progressives. So, you know, there's a lot of talk about people getting kicked off committees, et cetera. Sure, it's bad. They shouldn't be kicked off. It's obviously political retribution, not based in fact. We can skip all that. That's clear. Um, but the question is, wait, what are we going to do on those committees? Uh, what, what, what can, forget Democrats, what can progressives do in Congress over the next two years to make any difference at all? One is hold the line. I know this may sound uh, not very grand, but remember the years of triangulation where you had uh, Bill Clinton basically go uh, to uh, moderate Senate Republicans, uh, uh, cut deals, uh, cut deals with the Republican House, and the progressive Democrats were just uh, left holding the back. Uh, we need to make sure that doesn't happen. We need to make sure that there are not uh, budget agreements or uh, other agreements with the White House, Senate majority. Uh, and Senate uh, moderate Republicans uh, that Democrats have to swallow that aren't good for progressive policies. The second thing is we got to push for uh, executive action. And, and third, we need to uh, organize uh, to try to get something done in the Senate, uh, like on uh, Tyree Nichols. I mean, making sure that I've been pushing the Peace Act for five years. It finally passed the House, changed the standard of force. So 
like every other country, force becomes a last resort. In this country, it's not. It's if an officer thinks it's reasonable. That passed the House. What are we doing in the Senate? How do we put pressure to make sure that the Senate is acting? So let's break those down one by one. Um, what are the executive actions that, that progressives would love for Biden to take? There are a lot on the environment. I mean, you could start by, for example, uh, having much more strict bans on PFAS, on, uh, which is causing cancer, environmental racism. You can have uh, much stronger standards on uh, fuel efficiency, uh, on uh, methane, on coal. You know, the Inflation Reduction Act was a lot of the uh, carrots, but there haven't been many sticks uh, legislatively. And the question is, what are we going to do on that uh, from an executive action point of view? You can take executive action on some of the things with uh, immigration to, to finally get uh, relief for those who are uh, undocumented, to make sure that we're repealing Title 42 uh, and not just denying everyone uh, asylum claims in this country. Uh, and then we can do things, further things on, on labor. I mean, obviously, we need a $15 prevailing wage, but there are other avenues of the executive branch uh, where uh, if they're federal contractors, uh, that we can have labor standards, uh, standards for apprenticeships, standards for wages. So uh, let's be honest, uh, Joe Biden could do all those things tomorrow. Uh, he's chosen not to do them for the last couple of years. And it'll probably take a lot of um, action on progressive support to push him in that direction. Sometimes that works. Uh, we had the student debt relief. Uh, and progressives pushed on that, and Biden did take action. So it, it's possible. But whether it's that one or holding the line for moderate Democrats doing deals with Republicans, doesn't it require progressives to pretty actively criticize other Democrats up to and including uh, President Biden? Yes, and, and, and we have at times. Now, not, probably not as often as uh, some of your viewers may want, but you know, I took the New York Times op ed. Uh, in uh, June of uh, last year, saying the president wasn't doing enough on inflation and proposed very concrete policies, some of which, by the way, he's now doing. Like I said, why aren't we uh, selling from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve and buying back when the prices are lower? Why aren't we taking more exact, exact uh, action uh, with a windfall profits tax on big oil? Uh, so it, that was one instance at the top of my head where uh, we've criticized, where I criticized. Uh, the president's actions, but there, there will be times where I think we'll push for further action. I criticized the administration on the $15 wage. I said they should have fired the parliamentarian over it. Yeah. Or called for the firing. Yeah. So, of course, Ro, you and I know the real issue is mainstream media because you took on Buttigieg on uh, the airline issues and you should have. That's right. And, and because it's not about Buttigieg, it's not about progressives versus conservatives. It's that, no, there's the, the Secretary of Transportation has a ton of power that he's choosing not to use, and that is deeply frustrating and problematic. But when you do that, the articles that I read critique you instead of him, saying, how dare you justifiably criticize Secretary Buttigieg? How do you get past that problem? Well, it's very hard. I mean, I usually have no problem getting a booked on CNN or MSNBC, but they didn't have me on at all to speak about the uh, the issue with the airlines because uh, it, it's hard to have any criticism. And then when Politico covered it, they covered it in light of, well, is this guy running for president one day, which was not in any way the reason you don't launch a, a preemptive uh, a, a, a attack against one person in a 
20 person hypothetical field in a race that you may not enter and the other person may not enter. My reason for criticizing him is that Bernie Sanders and I had called six months ago for fines on airlines and the types of fines that Obama had. Obama had put 20, $30,000 fines if airlines were idle on the tarmac and it worked. And we said, why don't you have those kind of fines on the airline industry if they're canceling fights? If their IT isn't working, they would have an incentive to do that. The people say, well, you wouldn't have known the IT issue at Southwest. Of course I wouldn't have known. I'm a congressman from Silicon Valley. I don't think I could have figured out that Southwest had an IT issue, nor do I need to. But I know this, if they had massive fines that they would have to pay if they canceled consumer flights, they would figure out how to get that IT fixed, just like they are now. And the attorney general's called for this. But at the end of the day, no one wanted to discuss that the fines would have worked. And they wanted to make sure that you know, a person from the administration wasn't being criticized. I understand that within reason, but not at the expense of people who are being stranded. Yeah, Ro, you, this is a conundrum for progressives till the end of time, as long as mainstream media exists. Because so if Biden goes with his instinct, and his instinct is to cut deals with Republicans. So if the only deals that are to be had are with Republicans, and Biden goes to cut those, and those are conservative deals, by definition, the Republicans will never agree to anything that's in the center, let alone Democratic, let alone progressive, right? Progressives are going to have to speak out against the deal, against Biden. But then the media, which is supposed to be neutral, will yell at all of you guys and say, Biden's running for president and you're hurting his chances. This is definitely your fault. How do you handle that conundrum? Because it's definitely gonna happen. Well, they'll say that and they'll say, you're not being bipartisan. You're not working with the with the other side of the aisle. And it's a it's a challenge, even though the policies that we're supporting are bipartisan. You know, there's a bipartisan agreement in this country that Americans can't afford America. There's a bipartisan support for policies like Medicare for all, for free public college, free vocational education, making childcare affordable at $10 a day. These are common sense policies. Renegotiating trade deals, making sure corporate greed doesn't offshore all our jobs, rebuilding our manufacturing base by having government involved in helping build in communities that have been left out. These are our policies. They have bipartisan appeal, but they don't have appeal in the beltway. And I think the only way to do it is to go to uh, independent media, to go into these communities, to be on social media. Of course, you've got to go on mainstream media. I don't think uh, a strategy of not going on is 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 going to be successful, but you have to complement it and find ways of communicating that aren't just the traditional outlets. And I think taking them on when you're on there, they'll hate it, but the American people will love it, and and it could make a big difference to bring attention to an issue. But so that's the last thing I want to talk about. You have proposals, whether it's the policing one that's popular. You got you and Bernie Sanders did the $15 minimum wage in regards to Amazon and pressuring them to do it. They did, that was successful. It's now gone to Walmart, and so that had a domino effect. So you've done this before. But when you're going to push something like paid family leave, I'm just picking out of a hat, and it's easy to pick because it's got an 80% approval rating. So if you had a fair and clean fight on that, you would win super easy, right? But you don't have a fair and clean fight because of all the things that we've discussed here, Republicans, corporate Democrats, mainstream media, etc. But how do you how do you even propose that? In a situation where the Republicans have the House, 
Is there a way that progressives can say, paid family leave and we're gonna hell or high water and, and get it to a point where it embarrasses the Republicans enough and draws enough attention to the fact that eight out of 10 Americans want it, that, that you actually win? Is that possible? Well, we didn't do enough of this in the majority and I realized this now, some of us were pushing for it. But the Republicans are doing these bills now saying, uh, well, uh, communism or socialism are bad. And they're forcing Democrats to vote on it. And I don't know why we didn't have the mom and apple pie bills one at a time uh, when we were in the majority, which some of us were saying. You know, we did, uh, okay, let's do Build Back Better or all our social programs. And that gave the Republicans the ability to cherry pick and say, well, we're opposed to this, so that's why we're opposed to the larger bill. But we should have had clean bills. Are you paid to, opposed to eight week paid uh, family leave and force Republicans to vote on those things? Uh, now we don't have that opportunity, we could do it in the Senate. And I would say, take a few of these key votes, key issue areas and expose uh, where the Republicans stand. And in the House, uh, the question is, can we get a few Republicans to come with us and have a discharge petition or a, uh, a majority uh, by building that coalition? It's gonna be uphill, uh, but, but we need to do it. I mean, we need to shove that we're on the side of popular policies. It's very frustrating because we genuinely are on the side of popular policies, and yet we're in a 50-50 nation. All right, Representative Ro Khanna, uh, California 17th District, and uh, potential California Senate candidate, depending on uh, Barbara Lee. Uh, thank you for joining us, we appreciate it. Thank you, Jake, always a pleasure.